I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. We open inside a vast lair. A Nissan Rogue speeds toward a gigantic door, closing fast. Our hero says, I know this seems like your typical narrow escape, but it's not. This is a Nissan sales event ad. The doors inch closer. Will she make it? Determined, she grips the wheel and hits the gas. The turbocharged Rogue squeezes through just as the giant doors clang shut. There's no escaping summer savings during the Nissan Summer Event. Now get 1.9% financing for 36 months on the 2022 Nissan Altima. Availability is limited, so contact your local dealer for inventory information and shop NissanUSA.com. Hurry, before these offers get away. For well-qualified buyers, 1.9% APR financing for 36 months on new 2022 Altima and dealer stock. Example, 36 months financing at $28.60 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary, subject to in-mat credit approval and residency restrictions. Dealer contribution may affect price set by dealer. Dealer sets actual price. Contact dealer for details. N7522. This episode is brought to you by the only barbecue specifically made to cook black bear meat. It's the most encouraging and adventurous barbecue on the market. Check it out at BearGrills.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Derek, and with me today is the only man to pour his own blister blood from his shoe and use it as filtered Powerade or sunscreen, (laughs) Carl Mandrioli. What's going on, buddy? What's up, my friend? Yes, blister e- blood, blister blood, nice. Blister blood. That's, this is the eco challenge. Yeah. We gotta get intense. There probably today. was a lot of blister blood. Let's be honest. So, uh, with me oh, today yeah. is Derek Somerville, the only man who thinks an adventure race is a Black Friday sale on adventure pajama bottoms. Again with the pajama bottoms. What were you harassing me about? Recycling used information or something? No, no, no this is different. Well, the pajama bottoms are the same, but the different oh, yeah. take on it. Um, I told I already told you about this. I said if I keep on harassing you about it, maybe I'll shame you into not bringing them next. It's trip. never gonna happen though. They're too comfortable. <laughs> They're too comfortable. Well, it's early in the season, so we'll see if your story is the same by mid-season. You keep we'll beating out. that horse, buddy. You keep beating it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. You- so yeah, so we have the the world's toughest race today. Yeah. The eco challenge, oh, my man. friend. Oh man, it's legit. It is legit. Yeah. Did you ever watch like the old episodes back in the late '90s, early 2000s? Of the Eco Challenge? Um, wait, wait. Yes, that's exactly what I just, just were talking about. Yeah, no. What I'm else? Just, what else would you be watching? Uh, well, I don't know. The uh, Amazing Race. Um, no, I, I did see a couple of shows of the Eco Challenge, yeah, long ago. Okay. And this looks even, the current ones look even more ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, ridiculous in a challenging sort of way. So, yeah, they they yeah. came out mid-90s. Um, it was, yeah, 
basically produced by a guy who who was an adventure racer in his own right, Mark Burnett. Mm-hmm. And uh, he mm-hmm. he went on to produce Eco Challenge, and he he kind of stopped producing it for a while because he was so successful as a producer. He had these other shows that he was producing that just took off. Can you actually name yeah. any of his uh, other productions? No, I'm, I'm not. I know the name. I just I don't know any of this. He's produced shows like Survivor, which was kind of like an offshoot of the Eco Challenge. Oh, that's right. He that's produced uh, The Apprentice, Shark Tank. Like those are all his shows. And and now he's back. So did you get into Survivor? I never got into Survivor. No, I did not get into. Survivor. I didn't even I, yeah, watch didn't, that really. I didn't really get into all that stuff. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird to have a TV show where like the president fires people too. That's kind of strange. Yeah, right? that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, uh, what so what is like an adventure race or for for people who haven't seen this this kind of thing before, like how does it relate to like outdoor adventure backpacking? Like what is this? So I would say it's like a backpacking trip on steroids. I mean, it's there's so much. You, obviously, you're going so much further. You're doing far more tasks. Some tasks like you're going to do that you never would ever do on a backpacking trip. Like this one, you're doing like horseback riding, um, mountaineering, rock climbing, rappelling. Uh, I think there was some like glacial stuff going on in there too. Uh, Wait, your well, last three were all things you could do on a backpacking trip. I don't know why. Like your typical backpacking trip. Okay. Are you, are you, I mean, typical people go backpacking and they hike. Yeah, right. That's you fair. Know, I mean. So I think it's you're doing all these things, but I think the real challenge is, and we're going to talk about this more, is like just the the mental fortitude that you need to have uh, to finish these or just to endure right. these things. It's like, man, that's got to be so hard. If I thought there's the, there's like stuff. two secret ingredients beyond physical fitness and just general skills of things. Like yeah. you could even say that even if you're poor in those areas, you could you could tough it out if you have, like you said, the mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we'll, as we'll learn about here in a little bit, just, just your ability to successfully participate on a team, like be a good teammate, you know? Yeah. So I think that that raises the bar too. When you have like other people that are depending on you and counting on you. I mean, I just think of all the things that could potentially go wrong on a team, you know, somebody twists their ankle or, or something happens and it's like, what do you do? You have to like figure out a way to like press on and endure. So yeah, well, and I've, and I've been, you know, so my background is in adventure racing, and I was inspired by the early eco challenges to to kind of jump into this this multi sport thing. And I have seen it all with, you know, good and bad teammates. You mentioned twist your ankle. I've I've been like an hour into a race and somebody breaks their ankle, and I'm like, mm. Ooh, all, all this training mm. and prep work and cost like yeah. out the window immediately and well i mean some of these some of these teams like you know especially for this thing uh, they're training for probably years you know and then to have something like that happen yeah would just be like devastation for sure you for know? sure I and mean, even on backpacking trips like you have to have people that you want to be there with that can handle whatever challenges come your way so yeah um i've had teammates where you know like we gave so much to that teammate to help them through the course and they just quit randomly in the middle of it and i was like really the interviewee will probably talk about this as well, or did talk about this in the interview, and it's it's just mentioned a couple times in other places where if you don't have like the positive attitude, the good attitude, that's almost like is detrimental to me as an injury because if you have somebody who's just like super negative and pessimistic, and they don't want to like work mm-hmm. together, you're not you're not gonna finish. You're gonna fail. Yeah, and just to clarify, it's not like you would intentionally have that teammate, you know, to be part of your team. It's just that you. And this happens on backpacking trips too, where you invite somebody who generally has a pretty good attitude most of the time, and when everything is stripped away and they're you know struggling, maybe even suffering, yeah, like the dark side of them comes out. Like you see the real character of the person, mm. and sometimes it's not a, 
a pretty sight, right? So, and not even and not even to fault that person. Like I, I bet you, there's stuff in you and I and and, it, and anybody that would come out if you're pushed far enough, you know, that you didn't even know was there. Mm, so not for me. <laughs> i am an angel through and through i belong in the nativity scene myself yeah i don't, I don't i'm know a ray of that. sunshine all the time uh, as highlighted that? on this podcast more of like a radiated more like a radiation ray of sunshine. poisonous you know uh you mentioned the interviewee okay so so this episode is featuring the world's toughest race which yes. Otherwise known as the Eco Challenge, featured on Amazon Prime right now. The whole there's ten episodes. It's hosted by Bear Grylls, and yes. there's sixty plus teams that, that go through this course over in Fiji. And um, you mm-hmm. see a lot of different teams. You don't see all the teams, but they definitely like hone in or feature some of these teams. And so we were so fortunate to get um, one of the most featured teams in the race and one of the most featured characters i guess you, you could say in this yeah. race um sonia yeah. wick from team mm-hmm. iron cowboy yeah iron cowboy yeah giddy up yeah giddy so up. so she had you know quite the story to share through interviews over the course of the race and you just kind of saw her team just quite a bit and yeah she was she, she was uh generous enough to sit down with us and wait a minute no it wasn't us did you miss another interview Oh, oh yeah. Well, we had to reschedule this one a couple times, and I couldn't make this one. We rescheduled it once, and you, yeah. yeah, your effort level was what would you say, like a one out of ten to make this interview? It's like eleven. Okay, and just didn't just didn't happen. It was like the eco challenge of getting it to work. It just didn't <laughs> you promised to to do better with interviews. Now you're one for two, so we'll see how. You know, to be fair, I don't know if uh, I knew when the second interview was. Did I? I mean, did you kind of just tell me? Oh, we we had to reschedule it, and uh, yeah, you're challenging my responsibility in communicating yeah. the time. It wouldn't be the first time. Okay. It wouldn't be the first time. So yeah, I'm probably the, you're right. Message about that. between us two, I'm probably the irresponsible one. Good call. So I'm glad you uh, admit it finally. It's not patronizing <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> okay, so already trying to wreck the interview. Getting back to <laughs> to the story here. <laughs> Impossible. So I, not we, I sat down and had a chat with Sonia Wick and we covered all sorts of stuff. So if you like adventure and you haven't checked out the show, we encourage you to do so. And we, and I don't think there's any spoilers here. I think that you're going to find this no. to be insightful and so, you did a good job. This is one of your best interviews. I'd say it was, I mean, she, she clearly carried it. So she saved you. Right. Right. I, I, I'm not taking the credit. She, she was definitely a professional interviewee. So anyway, yeah. here's how it went down. <laughs> I am here with Sonia Wick. How's it going? It's going great, Carl. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here. I'm honored. I can't wait to chat. Wow, honored. Thank you. Yeah, no, we appreciate you taking the time out for sure. Okay, so just for for those who, who haven't seen the show and don't know much about you, where, where are you from and like what inspired you to undertake this massive event? Oh, man. Yeah, I live in this little beachy town um, on the central coast of California called Los Osos. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's like I've got ocean, I've got mountains, I've got a lot of ways to be kind of an adventure racer out my front door. Um, But I didn't do any adventure racing. I had watched Eco Challenge when I was a young girl and always thought, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Those women are amazing. And I was kind of at a time in my life where I was on a break. I'm traditionally an Ironman triathlete. And I was kind kind of through that phase of my life and 
wondering what was next and doing some backpacking and some long distance hiking. Okay. And then I saw the application for Eco Challenge. And I just had one of those like super light bulb moments at the end of the video for the application. It said, this is the race that eats Iron Man for breakfast. Right. And I was like, oh, like. Bear Grylls and Mark <laughs> Burnett just called me out. They right. they like want me to do this. So it was just one of those light bulb moments. And I thought this is the next step in my life. I had been kind of asking what the next step was and it just felt like this was the right move. Um, and so, yeah, I put together a team of other Ironman athletes because I thought that would kind of be our angle is like, you called us out, here we right. are, team, team Ironman essentially. And I was really lucky that they went for it and they bit and they put us on the show and they featured us on the show and they let us have this amazing experience. And yeah. And so was your response to that more one of like defiance? Like really? I eats Iron Man for breakfast. Do you understand what kind of athlete an Iron Man is? Like you got to be kidding me. Is that, was it kind of like that attitude towards the race initially? No, it was the opposite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally understand why they would say that, you know, I, I knew enough about adventure racing to know that it was navigated by map and compass, Right. you know, it's not on a course that's known. It's a lot of different sports that Ironman athletes don't do. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. We open inside a vast lair. A Nissan Rogue speeds toward a gigantic door, closing fast. Our hero says, I know this seems like your typical narrow escape, but it's not. This is a Nissan sales event ad. The doors inch closer. Will she make it? Determined, she grips the wheel and hits the gas. The turbocharged Rogue squeezes through just as the giant doors clang shut. There's no escaping summer savings during the Nissan Summer Event. Now get 1.9% financing for 36 months on the 2022 Nissan Altima. Availability is limited, so contact your local dealer for inventory information and shop NissanUSA.com. Hurry before these offers get away. For well-qualified buyers, 1.9% APR financing for 36 months on new 2022 Altima and dealer stock. Example, 36 months financing at $28.60 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary, subject to in-mac credit approval and residency restrictions. Dealer contribution may affect price set by dealer. Dealer sets actual price. Contact dealer for details, N7522. In the heat of the moment, you keep it calm and cool with a $3 medium ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew. Now $3 along with all medium cold brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. And Iron Man is kind of considered this pinnacle of the sport mostly through Ironman's branding. Mm -hmm. um, so I, like I got why they would say this would eat Ironman for breakfast, but I kind of had skills in my skill set from back before my Ironman days that let me know, hey, I, I'm an Ironman athlete, but I actually have a little bit more under the radar mm -hmm. that might make me a really great adventure racing athlete. Um, right. So I feel like I kind of knew a little bit more than they knew, but you know, to most Ironman athletes, I think, they would have a tough time making it through eco challenge unless they had someone who could navigate and they had someone with ultralight backpacking experience and someone with right. whitewater experience. 
for sure. But what's different, I think, with, you know, the kind of the solo sports versus the team sports is it's you can have that background in, you know, a variety of the um, like off-road sports, so to speak. But there's that X factor of just getting along with other people and being really positive that not like no matter how elite the athlete, like that's, you know, like not everybody has that, right? Thank you for bringing this up because (laughs) that was the major unexpected, ununderstood element of adventure racing that our team of Ironman athletes didn't understand at all is adventure racing really is a relationship sport. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. By a day in, especially this um, expedition racing where you're out for multiple days, by a day in, everyone's really tired. You mm-hmm. know, like fitness is kind of kind of gone. I mean, it's there, but it's just everyone's really tired. You're all kind of in this suffer fest. Right. And then it really comes down to how are you going to deal with the next nine days with three other people with everything going wrong and everyone getting tired and hungry and breaking mm-hmm. down. It's a relationship sport before it is really anything else. hundred percent. Yeah. I always ask the question, you know, like who are you at two in the morning when you've been going forever and you're lost, you know, like, are you the person that starts blaming and yelling and raging or can you hold it together <laughs> and, and, yeah. Yeah, and be encouraging and try to work together to, to move past that? Cause you're not going to be lost forever. Right. So, and what does even working together look like when only right. one of you knows how to navigate? Right. You know, what is when you're lost and you just fell in a lake and it's 42 degrees <laughs> and you think you're in Fiji <laughs> and you have no dry clothes and you're really, really lost. And it's one in the morning and you're the only one who knows how to read a map on your team. Like what does yep. working together even really look like at that yeah. point? And, you know, experienced teams really understand that dynamic and inexperienced teams have to learn that dynamic on the fly. Right. And it's, and it goes both ways too, because you know, you could be super encouraging and the best teammate, but the person who has the map is viewing that as like, you know, you're second guessing me, you don't trust what I'm doing. And, you know, it's just, there's so much going on there that, yeah, you have to be in tune for sure. So for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I've got, since you brought up the Iron Man thing, I got, I've got a theory about this, about the whole Iron Man being eaten for breakfast kind of thing. So, um, you kind of already touched on a little bit of it with the whole, like, you know, the solo versus the team aspect, but my thought is that because I mean, and you're, you know, you're an elite Iron Man or Iron Woman. I don't know, I don't know the phrase for it. So you can probably speak to you this. can probably yeah, speak. To, <laughs> you could probably speak to this um, better than me because I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten into that that sport. So, but my my view from the outside is that you as an Iron Man are so structured, and you you know you have like your splits down, you have your transitions down to seconds, and you know you have your minutes per mile for, for running and, you know, your pace for biking and everything is like very Strava based or whatever app you're using to track everything. And so you can kind of see your improvement and everything is just so structured and on, you know, road for the most part that once you take, you know, the navigation aspect and the wilderness aspect, and you just throw that in with like, you know, day after day after day of exercise and sleep deprivation that it just, like levels the playing field. Is that pretty accurate? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, that's a really good description. I think the way I would kind of talk about it, both are really hard. Like both situations are really hard. But the thing with Ironman is it is about creating the perfect day. So everything about mm. Ironman and why triathletes get such a bad rap is because everything about the sport of Ironman is about control. 
-hmm. controlling every single element of your bike, your swim, your run, your nutrition, your execution, your pacing, your power. Every single mile split is about control and optimizing and perfecting your day. It's much less about overcoming adversity because at the top end of the sport, any adversity is going to put you off the podium. For sure. So it's really about having these perfect days and then how does your perfect day line up with somebody else's perfect day? So it creates this very type A, very perfectionist um, sort of attitude just because that's what the training takes. That's what the execution of the race takes. Mm -hmm. Whereas with adventure racing, it is about literally going from disaster to disaster to disaster. Mm. There's no perfection in the sport of adventure racing at all. It's all about journey. It's not, it's, it's about how you work together and the problems that arise and how you move through those problems and nobody escapes the problems. And so it's, you know, I believe how we do one thing is how we do everything. Mm -hmm. And when you pick a sport like Ironman, that when you find your way to the top of it, it really means you're finding the way to perfectionism that's Mm -hmm. going to bleed into the rest of your life. And so as I've kind of found this new sport of adventure racing, it's really so much more about problem solving, team dynamics, loving the people you're with, working really well, navigating really well, having adventure. And Mm -hmm. and because that's what the sport is about, that's what your training is about. That's what your attitude is about. So, you know, fundamentally at the core level, Ironman athletes and adventure racers are vastly different personalities. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that one person can't experience both of those situations, but they they take two completely different mindsets to excel at. That, yeah, 100%. And it's interesting, too, because you talk about, you know, you don't get your perfect day. You have any sort of adversity. It looks like a lot of the elite Ironmen will just, if they're having that adversity, they just drop out of the race. They're just done. They're out. And so, yeah. Yep. But, but in an adventure race, if you drop out, you're like, yeah, this is my day, my week, whatever. Like you're wrecking the experience for your team. Like, like you can't just drop, right? <laughs> you can't. And, and that is a whole nother element. I think that, you know, Ironman has its level of dysfunction. And I think adventure racing has its own level of dysfunction as we have this extreme peer pressure weight to pull our weight, keep our weight, don't quit have a good attitude. You know, there's, there's kind of this dynamic, uh, that got at least an eco challenge you could see got created with a lot of the newer teams Mm -hmm. where if they had gone out and done a five day race with their team that wasn't filmed and was, you know, just a a few hour drive from home and things went really bad, they Mm -hmm. could quit, they could quit and they could go their separate ways. But eco challenge created this environment where everybody was so pushed to finish and it was Mm -hmm. so important for them. That right. when, you know, the poop hit the fan, essentially inside of the team and inside of the team dynamics, things had nowhere to dissipate. They just got more dysfunctional and more dysfunctional and more dysfunctional. And mm. people had to really like push through the whole 10 days with a high level of dysfunction because nobody wanted to be the person to quit eco challenge. Right. Um, and so I think for some of the newer teams that got put together, the old teams, this was old hat for them, but some of those sure. teams that didn't have experience that got accepted into the race they kind of found themselves, most of them, in some of these predicaments that were somewhat unhealthy, um, but they just had to kind of push through that that unhealthy level to make it to the finish line. And that's something I think I've been talking about with my fellow eco-racers ever since. It's just mm-hmm. how when you throw yourself into the frying pan, you know, there's a high probability you're going to get burned. Like it's, 
it's much better to kind of go test the waters in other races first to make sure that those team dynamics can withstand uh, two-day races, five-day right. races before you kind of launch into a 10-day race with a team for the first time. So lessons learned. I think a lot of people learned a lot of lessons in eco and have a lot of, you know, they want to change it up if they get into another one or they want right. to go race some shorter races with people. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting di- dysfunctional dynamic inside of <laughs> eco challenge as well. And it's unfortunately because it's such a niche sport still, you, it's hard to find teammates. And sometimes, you know, just by circumstance, you're forced to, you know, team up with somebody who lives across the country and then you're meeting them for the first time, you know, not too long before the race or maybe even at the race. And it might work out and then, you know, like it might not, but, but yeah, this race was different because you had, I mean, at least from the perspective of the viewer, you had like the, the best encourager in the world along on the course, just every once in a while coming, you know, you come across Bear Grylls and he's like, respect, or you can do it. Like you can make it. (laughs) I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really wild aspect. Um, I expected it to be like more quote unquote TV and Mm -hmm. it really wasn't. We would roll into these big camps and Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole, the whole production, there were nine, about 950 people involved from the people filming to the people racing to the race directors, like every, so they had to get 950 people through 417 miles of course, essentially. So we had these big camps and the camps weren't just for the racers. They also had like production people were there. And so everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of running around together and, oh yeah, we would come through camp and bear would come over. He'd check on you with no (laughs) cam, no camera with him. You know what I mean? Like he literally was just like a genuine person. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. And then, yeah, there were those elements where we had a situation where he flew in on a helicopter above us when we were in the pool swimming and he just like literally did these fist bumps. You know, we didn't know he had been like talking inside the helicopter, but right. we, we literally scream like giddy little schoolgirls. And yet the last <laughs> camp he had come over and like talked to us for five minutes, you know? So it just, right. there was this weird dynamic of, um, I, I love the, the aspect that they said, this is a TV show, but this is a race. Mm-hmm. And so the racers have to help the TV crew and the TV by giving their best performance, by being authentic and by ignoring the cameras. And the camera crew have to help the racers by telling their story authentically, staying out of their way and being in every spot imaginable. And so right from the get-go, they Bear basically gave this inspirational talk with us about the synergy that we've got going on and this Mm -hmm. massive experience that we are honored to be allowed to partake in and how it's because of this symbiotic relationship between the production crew and between the racers that we're all able to experience this amazing thing. Right. Yeah, that's pretty well said. And and going back to the history behind the race, you know, it started off as like this Discovery Channel. Actually, really, it started off as like an MTV production, which was like, yep. can you believe these crazy racers? And then it went to like Discovery Channel. Let's examine the culture of like Morocco or Australia. And then it went to like kind of what you were saying they were trying to avoid, which was like a pure reality show, like similar to Survivor, where it was just like, let's get these dysfunctional teams together and then just film them and see, you know, how they handle it. And so this seems to be more like the balance between a lot of that stuff. And like, I think it was highly successful. Like this is probably my favorite one I've ever seen. I was, I was pretty into the old stuff. So um, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> it's only, hard to find yeah. out there too. 
Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I imagine as a racer, though, still having Bear Grylls running around the course, like it still feels like there's something special going on. Um, oh, for sure. The okay. Cameras. So, yeah. Or drones. I imagine there's drones flying above you at some point, too, right? Tons of drones. There was, I believe there were six drone teams, and okay. each drone team is like three dudes with literally this huge bevy of drones. I don't know how many drones each drone team had, but like they had this bevy of drones, and mm-hmm. they were, there were six teams of them, six teams of three. Okay. Um, yeah, we had 13 embedded cameramen and okay. those were people who got assigned. They basically picked 13 teams that they wanted to follow right. as sort of the, the special interests, you know, the ones you saw the footage of, mm-hmm. um, and those embedded cameramen followed us through all the trekking and all the climbing that we did in the entire race. And did you ever need to help them? Like, Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Did you ever need to like, were they, was there any point where they're like, can you give me a hand or were they struggling at all? Um, Chris was the most rad dude I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Chris is like, we, we will be friends for the rest of our life going through the Vua Falls section where where Mm. it's just like 12, 24 hours of really slippery rocks. Yeah. There were times when we would turn around and he would just eat it and he's got camera gear on it. We'd be like, Chris, you know, he was kind of our (laughs) sixth teammate um, per se and he was lovely and really his goal was to become infiltrated enough in our team that eventually we would be vulnerable enough to tell our stories okay so that he could get the best footage possible and he was really great at that he was just such a stud another okay get a behind the scenes question for you um so the the kind of opens up like the whole race opens up teams are gathered around Bear Grylls shows up and then there's this big, you know, map of the course of basically the island of Fiji. And he comes and he grabs the covering from, it was like, you know, it was kind of like he's revealing the map and he smoothly pulls it off and it's very cinematic. And I'm like, that is awesome. But um, was that like one take or did they have to, did he have to like peel it off a couple times? Okay. That's so funny that you asked that. Um, So we're all staged there waiting and, first off the whole so we had four helicopters that they brought over from um new zealand on a barge they put them on a barge and they barged them over and they were like eco challenge branded and so when we first saw the helicopters we started getting pretty excited so we're all like we're all up in the corral and literally they do a flyby like a two times flyby with the helicopters in formation and bear girls is hanging off the side of the helicopter (laughs) and we go ballistic so all the reactions you're seeing those are so authentic i mean we are so excited to start the race and then bear basically gets dropped off right behind that stage that you saw and he hops out of the helicopter he's been hanging off the side of it and he runs up there Mm -hmm. and he rips it off and the corner of it gets caught. <laughs> but we're still so excited. And so right. they literally like pause and uh-huh. then they run back and they throw it back up and then he runs in again and he rips the whole thing off. <laughs> and we all go ballistic again, like authentically ballistic again. Right. And they they came on the stage. He like told us this big speech. We're all excited to listen. This is the first time we've seen the course. We're mm-hmm. all like looking at the, all his navigators are looking at the map like intensely and he does his little speech and then he goes off and then they come up, the produ- the executive producers, Mark Burnett, all the like big hitters and they say, okay guys, we're about to start the race. This is the last 
TV aspect of the situation. Mm, like okay. we need to, to get a good intro of, of the race, sure. but you, you're about to go down to the boats. And once we blow the conch shell, it's game on. Okay. And so that was sort of the last element of like, I wouldn't, it wasn't scripted. It just was like, they needed to get that shot. But that oh, was yeah, the last shot. time. Yeah. And it was, you know, he had to like show us where we were going. Um, so then <laughs> it was kind of funny as we all were like, okay, time to go to the boats. And we all kind of get our stuff and like meander over to the boats uh, right. to get ready to go. And that was exciting because we got 10 minutes before the race with our maps. I did. I got 10 minutes with the maps. Right. So they were sitting right at our boat in a little bamboo cup. Mm -hmm. And the boys started packing the boats and I pulled the maps out and I literally only had time to find checkpoint one. That was mm, it. Right. And then it was game on. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I've been in races and this is a bigger deal, obviously, but, um, where, where they give you the, you know, you, you have the map, you have no idea where you're going. Then they give you the coordinates and say, go at the same time. And so people <sighs> start freaking out and they're like running around like, I got, we got to get going, but like, they don't know where they're going. And so it's just, yeah, it's just madness. Mayhem. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, but the tension just to try to plot that course for the, even just the first checkpoint, you're like, I got to plot this fast, yeah. but I got to plot it right at the same time. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Involved, like we were going to paddle down a river for okay. an unknown amount of time, like ended up being about three hours. Right. And then we're going to get dumped out into the open ocean at the mouth of this river. And from right. that point, I needed to find a tiny little island that it was unseeable. <laughs> I could not physically see it. It was out of right. sight. And so I had to take, like right there on the ground, I had to plot a compass bearing from the mouth of that river yeah. out to the island that we were headed to. And right. yeah, we, and then I had, I dialed my compass in, put that thing around my neck, put the map on my lap and off we went. Yeah. And speaking of that too, just the whole, like you're saying like for three hours, this or whatever, I think that's the one part that like, you just can't capture in the show is like, Hey, these people are going down the river for, mm -hmm. you know, they're paddling. They're doing the same thing for six hours, eight hours, whatever. And yeah. just how hard that is to that repetition for that long. Like when my kids are watching the show, they're like, that's cool. They're doing this sport and they're doing that sport. I'm like, you have no idea how long they're doing that sport for. It might be fun for yeah. like, early on, but at some point it just becomes like, you know, an endurance challenge and it really does. Yeah. You just can't yeah. capture that. I, I know <laughs> it must have been some hard no. stuff. Okay. And speaking of that. Okay. So I've got like my prediction for what the toughest part of the race was. So, okay. um, and you can, you can tell me from your perspective, how right or wrong I am. Like, obviously the later in the race, you know, the more tired you are, the harder it's going to be. So there's, there's that aspect too. But as I'm watching it, for me, the part that I'm, where I'm like, I don't like that might be a spot that I couldn't have gotten through was um, the part where you had to ascend the waterfall. Mm -hmm. uh, that looked hard. That looked like that might take me a while, but I could probably do that. But then it didn't it wasn't clear how long after that, but it seemed pretty close once you got to the top. Then you had to like hike slash swim through like eight kilometers of the coldest water in the world. <laughs> is, and for me, like, it just looked like pure suffering and I'm a sissy in the cold. And so I think like I would have had a really hard time with that part of it is, am I yeah. in the ballpark there with like difficulty? Yeah, you are. Um, talking to Kevin, the race director, well after the show, he said that he knew that section would be so incredibly hard that he wanted to make sure it happened in the middle of the race so that mm. all the teams who really weren't prepared to be there were gone. Right. 
Right. That because that would have been the, the biggest filter ever. So what he wanted that to be was he wanted that to be the filter for that next phase of teens. Okay. That next, the people who could get through the first four days. Um, right. Now that's the real crux of the race for the racers who are sort of meant to be there. And mm-hmm. it took out some top teams. I mean, some really top teams that oh, they yeah. didn't even highlight uh, that went out. And yeah, the section for us took 24 hours. So we from had the about, start from the start of the of the climber before that. So from we left a camp. We left camp three. Left okay. camp three right into the river. Right. Um, just literally out of camp three, walked through a village, got in the river. We're slipping on slippery rocks, and we had I think about four and a half hours of slipping on slippery rocks before we even got to the base of Vua Falls. Right. And so that's why we were like, it was dark when we got to the base of Vua Falls. Oh, and then Vua okay. Falls was about a six and a half hour climb. But I think we serious? did it less. Well, I think we started at eight and we ended at about 1 a.m. Okay. Yeah. That's so, that's so long to climb. It's a lot, right? A lot of <laughs> fixed rope climbing. Yeah. I mean, it was hundreds of, of ropes. They spent millions of dollars on the ropes course. There were four sets of ropes up okay. the, up the waterfall. So then we got to the top <laughs> of that and it was really cold. Um, and I looked out into, it was 1am and I looked out into the vast expanse of the future and I realized like the whole slippery rock dance from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. would be a pretty bad idea. So we found a flat rock that could fit three of us and another flat rock that could fit one of us. Mm-hmm. And we hunkered down and we slept from 1 a.m. until about 5 a.m. Okay. Up and, there in the cold. And so you had, yeah, and, and you had, it looked like most teams had some sort of a tarp with them, but you, did you have sleeping bags? No. Uh-uh. So what... The, the adventure racing way, apparently, I, I like to do some ultralight backpacking. I always have a sleeping bag, but the adventure right. racing way is you put all your warm clothes on, you wrap yourself in an emergency blanket. You, we had a sleeping pad, like ultralight sleeping pad, pump up your sleeping pad, and then you wrap yourself in all of that in your waterproof tarp and you, <laughs> and you lay on a rock. Like so that was how we slept. So you're just like a, like an, almost like an emergency blanket taco then yep. at that point. Emergency blanket tarp taco. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, it. They, and you just sleep horribly. Right. And that's one of the sayings I think that came out of one of the early races. I remember Mark Burnett saying this like on TV, you know, adventure racers say go light or yeah, go light, freeze at night. And yeah, yeah, that's part of the, part of the deal. That's but, how we um, did it. Then we woke up at like 5 a.m., we still actually had like two more sets of falls that they didn't really show because they were smaller that we had to rope back up for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had two more sets of falls. And then after that, th- essentially third set of falls, that's when the pools began. Right. And that's when we were in and out of the pools. So mm. we rolled out of that whole section at 4 p.m. So <laughs> we had started at like <laughs> yeah. probably 3 or 4 p.m. the day prior. Right. Um, yeah. So that's that I think, is... what so many teams struggled with was just – you don't realize how long people have been submerged and cold and wet mm-hmm. and not dry going on, you know, for a lot of teams, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 hours at that point. Right. When they're in the pools. Which is to me just unfathomable. And um, that's, I think that's where the the best line of the whole show came out of where some guy was, uh, I forget what team it was, but he was suffering and they were like, 
what year is it? And his response is, I'm in the eco <laughs> challenge. Eco challenge, yes. <laughs> Team Brazil. I think That's that was, was Team Brazil. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so I still say that talking, line sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, that is the best line of the whole show. That I sums know. up that part of the of the race right there. The race. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, was, that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> makes me feel better knowing that that was as tough as it looked like, and that, I, like, honestly, that would be the part yeah. that I have the hardest time with. Okay. So, like your story came out a little bit, you know, through the interviews of the show and the way that I think you kind of like phrased or, or viewed the event, at least at the time was like, this was kind of like your comeback story. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So I, it, it appeared that that interview where you shared that, like it was either before the race or early on in the race. And so it didn't, you didn't really know, you know, the outcome or how, you know, you would do or how your team would do in the race. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that, like, was this a comeback for you? And did this kind of provide what you were looking for? Oh, yeah, totally. Great question. Okay. Super great question. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So in 2017, um, so it, I had really been in the Ironman scheme for a long time. I had been trying to win my age group at Kona, the Ironman World Championships. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, I got second place and second felt like first. Honestly, I was like, that's amazing. I yeah. feel fulfilled. And, um, I remember waking up the next day after that and basically feeling super empty. Like, what do I do now with myself? That didn't really get me everything I was hoping it got me. You know, the people who don't love me still don't love me. The people who love me still love me. Like nobody thinks I'm any better than I was the day before. I was kind of chasing a lot of that for the wrong reasons. And I didn't understand that at the time. And so I thought, well, I guess probably the next point in my life is like, you need to be of service. And so I started a coaching company that grew really fast, really big, a whole bunch of assistant coaches, a lot of athletes, and definitely got to a place where I realized, oh, wow, I'm helping other people chase podiums to not figure out what life's really about. <laughs> it's just like right. multiplying my like realization that this isn't quite how the world works. Life works, successful, thriving life works. And I also had a ton of trouble with just feedback, people feedback. And I started having a lot of panic attacks as the business grew really fast. I was really busy. I couldn't train anymore. Mm. And I had a really bad day in 2017 where I had been having a ton of panic attacks, but I had a panic attack that was so bad that it sent me to the ER um, because I thought I was dying, Uh, which I come to later find out panic attacks when they're really bad can feel a lot like a heart attack. You just Mm. aren't having a heart attack. Okay. So when I came out of that, I just was shattered. I... I just had a major, I had gotten to like a crisis point from a mental health perspective and it took me a long time to get out of it. I kind of had to wade my way out from crisis, like anxiety, depression, substantial depression, not get out of bed for weeks, depression. My business, my husband closed my business. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything kind of just crumbled in my life. And I didn't really know if I would ever even be myself again, but I knew I'd never be like a podium chasing Ironman athlete again, like had total disdain for that. I just well, got to I, this can point. I, can I cut in real quick? What, so was the yeah. depression like a result of the panic attack and like the crumbling of your world from, you know, the, the overwhelming nature of the business or yeah. was it from the realization that whatever your kind of athletic goals were, you were not in the midst of that's achieving? It. Yeah, that's it. It okay. was literally the like, the goals aren't 
aren't satisfying. That's not the right direction. Mm -hmm. I tried the business. I failed it epically and hugely. Who am I? Right. What am I even here for? Why am I even here? Why mm -hmm. should I even stay here? Like it just all of my kind of identity and the way I was trying to find my way through purpose and direction weren't right. there anymore. Everything crumbled. I didn't really have anything stable or foundational to support myself on because I hadn't done the internal work of really understanding what I was about. I was really chasing, you know, I was literally running around in life thinking it was my purpose to beat people. Mm. <laughs> like I am better than oh, my competitor. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm here to like win over you. That's my mm -hmm. goal in life. Like that doesn't, it's not sustainable. Right. So everything kind of had to, because I was in crisis mode, I had to get out. I, I had a lot of suicidal ideation at that point because I just didn't have any, the bottom kind of fell out. So I had to get from crisis mode back to stable mode. And then once I got from stable mode, I got to go backwards another step of like, why did all of this happen? How do we prevent this from happening again? How do we move into um, healthy mode? So mm -hmm. it was like crisis back to stable, stable back to healthy. And so once I got into healthy mode, I had a lot, I had a, a better grip on sort of the vertical world that there was a spiritual element that had been missing from my life. So I was really fostering that spiritual side of myself for the first mm -hmm. time, not right. so horizontal or earthly, but kind of trying to have a balance between the two. And I was in this place of like, okay, let's, I knew I loved adventure. And that was about, that was kind of it. I was like, I love adventure. I love moments that turn the in, inner light bulb on for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in that place of just like, if I saw a light bulb moment, I would go do it. I, I did the John Muir trail with my 12 year old daughter one summer, like 18 okay. day backpacking trip, because that was like, Ooh, we should go do that. And she was like, yes. And I was like, yes. And then we got in. And so we went and did it. That's amazing. So was, that's, that's so hard to get that permit. Oh my gosh. Oh, so hard. Golden yeah. ticket. And yeah. we got the golden ticket because I was supposed to do it. Like it, so it was more of these moments of like putting intention out there in the world and then seeing how the world delivered it back to me. And if it lit me up, then I would go and do it. And that mm -hmm. started to become my MO. Um, and that felt a lot more purpose-driven and satisfying and like fundamentally who I was. And so that was the place that I was in when the Eco Challenge application came across my computer screen. Mm. And when that lit me up, when I saw all of that adventure, I never thought of it as a race. Okay. I just thought of it as like an opportunity for more adventure than I had ever had the opportunity to experience. For sure. And it was such a light bulb turn on moment for me that I knew I had to go for it. So yeah, when mm -hmm. James said like, this is Sonia's comeback, really, you know, what he was saying is like, she has been dead, like she just has been rebirthed. And so this was kind of that moment. And I did not know if I could emotionally handle the race. I knew I could physically handle it because mm -hmm. I'm tough, tough, tough built for war. It's really hard to get me physically. But emotionally, I was not sure I could handle the demands of the race. Right. And that's where people mainly fail in the race is the emotional, the, the kind of the mental side of things for sure. I think so. I mean, you see people get taken out with hypothermia or falling mm. off their bikes or I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how many people quit the race for emotion. There were definitely some people who left the race because they couldn't put together why they were going to needed to keep going. You know, I think of team right. able ables, like they were just done, but it right. seemed like endurance athletes have this uncanny ability to ignore their emotional status mm -hmm. and push on physically. And I had gotten to a point in my life where I refused to ignore my emotional status any longer. 
because shoving that back down to just endure didn't work for me anymore. Mm. First of all, thank you for sharing. I mean, for, for, yeah, sharing the, the challenges you experienced or for, and for being so authentic with that. I know that there's a lot of people that, you know, struggle not just with the competitive side of things, but just with the concept that you can kind of, you know, boil it down to, which is, you know, who you are, what's your identity and what's your yeah. purpose and what's our purpose in life and trying to find a purpose that's, you know, greater than ourselves. And, you know, our, our, you know, especially with like a solo sport where you're just so self focused on achievement and competition and getting better and better and better. Like it's hard to get outside of that to reset, to find that greater purpose. And, um, and we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast at times too, is just, you know, like it's a backpacking podcast, but, and, and, um, my buddy Derek and I, like we identify as backpackers, but that's not where our true identity is. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, yeah. We have that greater purpose in mind, even, even for the podcast itself. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that's, you sharing that for sure. That's great. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, backpacking is what you do. Adventurous is what you do, but what, right. what is it really inside of you that you're trying to satisfy? Right. Yeah. What and deeper I think longing? It, yeah. And, it, and I think that, and I don't know if this kind of led over into the emotional side of things during the race, but just your perspective on, we are not here to defeat everybody, but we're here to experience an adventure. I think that go, that will, that will carry people a long way to, you know, to appreciate, not just to like find success in passing teams or to go going faster, but just to appreciate everything around you and the experiences you're having. And so, um, I bet that helped a lot, but yeah, it did. It definitely did. It, I mean, there were some hard points that took me to my knees literally. Oh yeah. Um, but that's going to happen in a race that's 10 days long. Right. <laughs> right. That is a long time to be out there for sure. All right. So, so with all this experience you have, and, and now, um, as a team that's finished one of, or like the toughest race on earth, what's your best piece of advice to all of us adventure enthusiasts out there regarding like how best to prepare for an adventure that seems kind of beyond our limits or kind of like right at the edge for us? Oh yeah. Oh, that's such, that's a great question. Um, so for thinking like, a little bit more globally, like, Hey, I'm going to take off on this adventure and it's out of my comfort zone. And I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to do it, or I'm not quite sure what sort of negative encounters I'm going to have along the way that I'm going to have to get over on the other side of. I think, I think the main thing I had to really focus on was separating between my controllables and my uncontrollables. And there are so many in adventure racing, I, I love this. Jason Magnus told me this, the team captain of Team Ben. He said, in adventure racing, there's always a million excuses as to why you did poorly. Like, <laughs> you can always find all the, and they're not excuses, they're valid. Like, the weather was cold. The mm-hmm. weather was hot. The water was cold. Your boat did get a hole. Like, all of those things might happen to you. But the quicker none of those matter, the better off you're going to experience your adventure. The quicker mm-hmm. you're able to take ownership back and responsibility back onto yourself and own your own experience as how you're going to navigate through the challenges that are given, the better time you're going to have, regardless of whether you finish or you don't. So I think my, you know, someone who's going out of their comfort zone and going to push themselves, whether it's a long through hike or it's an adventure race or it's climbing, you know, all the 14ers in California, whatever. 
I would say there's going to be always going to be plenty of excuses or plenty of reasons out there that it's not your fault. But if you want to experience the purest form of adventure, you will always assume it's a bit your fault. It's your Mm. responsibility. It's Mm -hmm. on you to take those experiences and try to problem solve through them to the best of your ability. And in the end, like you never came home because the weather was bad. You came Mm -hmm. home because you didn't bring the right amount of clothing. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, keeping that ownership inside of yourself. um, Because I think that the universe, it's going to test you in different ways. And it's going to give you the test that you need to learn from. So if you just keep blaming the tests, then you're never going to get to the heart of adventure, which is really understanding what's going on deep inside your soul. It's funny. I wish I, I wish I would have heard that advice back in my twenties when I was doing a lot of this stuff. Um, because now I think I'm, 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 you know, I'm on board with that perspective. And now, you know, anytime we encounter something unexpected on the trail in the wilderness, like we, we kind of lean into it and we embrace it. And it's just part of the story, you know, makes, just makes for a better story. Um, Early yep. on, though, you know, whatever it was 20 years ago, like that was just hard to deal with. And it was just like a mental challenge to overcome. And so getting that, right. I wish I had that perspective back in the day, yeah. so to speak. All right. So, so last question, what do you got going on? Any, this is our, your opportunity to promote anything you have, anything you want to share that um, our listeners might be interested in. So, so what you got going on? Uh, yeah, thanks, Carl. Well, I mean, the one thing that I'm really passionate about is uh, when I came home from Eco Challenge Fiji, I knew that there were a ton of athletes whose stories weren't going to be told through right. the race, through the coverage. And I just knew I wanted to provide a platform for people to come on and tell those stories. I knew there were some juicy ones out there. So I created a podcast called Tales of Toughness. You can find yes. it in all the podcasty places. And I interview the racers. And we really like dive in deep on their background, their race experience, and their lessons learned from the race. It's a pretty special, cool experience to have with them. I've really been enjoying it. Okay. Tales of Toughness. We will check that out. Awesome. Check it out. So again, really, really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on our show. You're welcome, Carl. Thanks for having me. All right, my friend. What did you think? What were some takeaways you had from the interview? Uh, she, She's just like beast mode engaged i mean she, like it's just amazing uh beast mode engaged okay do you know what that means do you want me to explain it to you i know what engaged means so i'm sure sonia knows what it means i'm sure sonia knows what it means but right. we can talk about it later okay. off off the air if you need to yeah i'm not i'm not familiar with like california slang anymore i don't know if that's california slang buddy i think that's just you go beast mode she, you have all these people have to go beast mode to finish this race i mean it's ridiculous okay I mean, I think, you know, some, I mean, she probably has like a million more stories than the ones in the interview, but, mm-hmm. um, I think just the, just her explanations of a lot of things as, as far as like, you know, how they were, um, you know, they had to be a team sport and the attitude we talked about all that. I, I, what was your takeaway? I was kind of curious about, cause you've had more of this experience. My, uh, I haven't really done the Ironman or the adventure racing. So I know she was talking about, there's a big difference between those two, um, you know, and I wanted to get kind of your, more of your takeaway on like what your thoughts are. Cause you've done adventure racing. Done adventure racing. I haven't done, I haven't gone into the triathlon. Do you feel sport. like one's harder than the other? Or just they're very vastly different. There, there's a difference too, because you have different triathlons. Like you can have a sprint triathlon, you can have the Ironman, like and the same thing with adventure racing. They, they've got shorter ones. Like they used to have these sprint ones that lasted just three to five hours. And so you're, it feels like a triathlon yeah. really. So there's a lot of similarities there, but if you're talking like the ego challenge, then yeah, like that's yeah. the hardest race in the world, like legitimately. So, 
Um, yeah. People that are ultra marathon runners and just do crazy things will do this race and be like, yeah, there's nothing harder. So, so yeah, that's yeah. so when it says like it eat, you know, this is the race that eats the Ironman for breakfast. There's a lot of elite athletes that in the past did, just didn't do well. And- yeah, well, and it, which kind of makes sense to me because let's say I'm gonna, and I don't even know what this is like, but I'm sure it's easy for you to imagine. Like I'm an elite Ironman athlete, right? That's not hard to imagine. And you know, I'm running, <laughs> I'm running, biking, swimming, and I got those down, right? And I'm really good at it. I can go far. I have endurance, right. yada yada yada. But then you throw in like canoeing. Yeah, and mountaineering. Well, even just like random climbing. stuff, like the the build, they they had this event where they had to put together a raft, and yeah, then like pa- like sort of paddle, but really just like it wasn't really a paddle, it was just like the stick. They're moving their raft down the river, but it was for like hours. It wasn't just for yeah. a short period of time. Well, and then the, the fact that you know she mentioned there was that one point where like in the beginning, uh, you know, hey, you get to look at the map for like a few minutes, and then you got to figure out where to go to this little island, and then uh, hopefully you make it down there, and you got to find it. I'm like that's to me like more that's a lot of stress if you're not competent with the map mm-hmm. because like on like an iron man like you have like a course and there's like right exactly you know, mar- markers and all these other things where yeah. this is just way more you know you feel like you're it's just way more wild i guess you could say yeah it's just, it's just like backpacking when you're never on a trail right i mean you're just constantly looking for yeah. key features and landmarks and so forth yeah you're 100 percent right it's, it's it's way more difficult and um, she had this quote, she said, uh, in adventure racing, nobody escapes the problems, you know, whether that's like, you're gonna have right. a navigation error, you're yeah. gonna have somebody's not feeling well, whatever it is, nobody escapes the problems. Do you, do you feel like that's true in backpacking? Mm, not all the time. Not all the time. I think there's just a little bit of structure in backpacking, whether you think so or not. I think it's true for our group. Our group. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if there's not a rock, Karen, Carl's going to get lost. You know what I mean, guys? So <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. But no, I think, um, yeah, yeah. It, I think this environment she's talking about, is, and you know, it's like if you can't be transparent and be like, you know what? I don't really know. I can't read this map right now. Like, I'm not really sure. Like, I'm super fatigued. Like, I need your input. You know, like if you can't say that stuff, right? it's like you're going to detriment the whole team or you're going to get lost. So yeah, no, 100%. So yeah. And, and, and I kind of reference this in the interview is, is this concept is like, as we've gotten older, we kind of like lean into the problems and almost embrace the problems and just like, how can we overcome this obstacle? And, you know, assuming that nobody's hurt, injured, or like life's at, at risk, we, we really like almost like enjoy the problems and problem solving mm. and overcoming them. Yeah. And, but we, but we don't have the tension no. of a race, you know, like we don't have people passing us as you know we're lying on the side of the trail for example right. and we feel obligated to keep right. moving and so it's it's a little bit different right. setup but um i think the, yeah the more that you can view that the, the challenges and the problems is like an obstacle that you got to figure out i think the more the more fun yeah. the trips are really yeah so i mentioned that, that for me the hardest section would be you know i don't know why in fiji they have a, a really cold water area i know it's higher elevation in the mountains but it's not like crazy high elevation yeah. but they have this water that was like 50 yeah. plus degrees they had to swim or kind of wade through for yeah. hours and you know, they're just soaked. Mm-hmm. I mean, really the whole race looked like they were soaked yeah. most of the time, but uh, how would you have handled that section? The water, that water part? Um, I'll just say this. I, I lived in Fiji for about a month and a half. What? I didn't know that. What do you mean you didn't know that? What? I, this is after New Zealand. I moved over to, we were in Fiji for like a month and a half. 
And uh, one of my good friends okay. lives there. And um, so we would go, we do hikes, we would go in the water, we do all that stuff, right? It's, it's, I mean, it just gives you like a small, like little sample of like what kinds of environments these people are in. So there were sections, yeah, where the water was really cold. I love water. I love swimming, all that stuff. And like the thought of like doing that water section just seems like complete misery because like your body mm, when it's in that yeah. cold of water and you don't have like a wetsuit or you don't have like the sun at least out on you it's it's just like debilitating like your body just starts starts aching and shutting mm-hmm. down and then you have to like focus on you know keeping your backpack above your head maybe in parts and like keeping things dry and then like going around these rocks i mean these guys were like you know i mean it was it's that would just be miserable in the show and then even you know in an interview she kept she mentioned this concept of identity and questioning one's own identity as an athlete and we've talked about the the concept of identity on the show a little bit you know like we're backpackers but we're not like that's not who our core or what our core identity is so yeah what what are your thoughts about the concept of like having a race or a series or just backpacking in general being your identity what are your thoughts on that if that's your shtick, if that's what is your joy, like if that's what makes her, you know, that's her passion, then maybe that's how she identifies. And that's totally fine. I think it depends really who you are. I think. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory. In this, in that scenario, I think, I don't, I don't think, I think a lot of people might just be doing that race to, I think it just teaches you about who you are as a person, you know, like what kind of person are you? Um, I think it would be more of a challenge to see, like, can I overcome these like mental challenges and these, you know, um, oh, yeah. and things like that. Not only the physical challenges, but like the mental challenges, how do I work well with others? I think it really reveals like a lot about who you are as a person rather than like, you know, oh yeah, I did it. I'm an, I'm an elite athlete maybe. So yeah, I mean, that would be what I would, if I was ever going to do something like that, which I don't know if I would, but I, I think that would be my biggest takeaway. It's like, what does it tell me about me? Yeah. I, so I think I've, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You kind of transitioned it to, into kind of like a more positive, just like, what does this race tell me about myself? And I think you do learn a lot about yourself and kind of how you handle those different situations in, you know, the endurance events. I just think that it's very dangerous to identify and, and be like, yeah. who I am is an athlete and your your whole identity is tied to that. Like what happens when you get injured? What happens when you don't perform as well as you do? Like, like you know, you can tank and, and I don't know if that's where her, some of her mental health stuff came from, but I think that as I referenced the interview, if there's no greater purpose than yourself 
Like you're always going to let yourself down. We're imperfect people. We're always going to fail, right? Yeah. Um, and these these races are made to like push you to the limit of that. So 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 failure rates are relatively high. A lot of teams didn't finish or they didn't do as well as they wanted to. And so my whole point is just like, you know, we identify as Christians and that's where our identity is. And so, you know, we're still imperfect. And so we're still going to, if things don't go our way, we're, we're, we might still gonna right. crumble a little bit, but it's not right. the end of the world for us, right? Like it's not, we, we might still struggle with things regarding mental health. Right. Again, imperfect people, but it's it's the trying to to identify solely in one area, like mm-hmm. as a backpacker or as anything, oh, like yeah. is very yeah. dangerous. And that's why we, yeah. we kind of talk about, yeah, the the greater purpose. So this la- so she had a quote, I don't know if I'm quoting exactly or if it's more paraphrase, but she said something effective, like the quicker you're able to own your own experience and not blame mm-hmm. failures on unfortunate circumstances, the better yeah. time you're going to have. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I, I can see the wisdom in that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just stuff that happens that you can't control, like gear breaking or somebody slipping and hurting themselves or you know i mean that stuff it's gonna happen so yeah i think understanding that and not you know blaming people but um just understanding those circumstances are especially in this environment like that's part of the that's part of the package you know i mean like the teams that go all the way have to get lucky too in a lot of ways to not get injured not have something you know, break or fall, maybe sometimes. Uh, I think this is tougher for younger people because they're, you know, they're trying to build their reputation. Like, hey, I want to be this way, or I want to be seen this way. And so, if if they do have these bad experiences that kind of like, you know, cause a adventure race or a backpacking trip to not go as planned, then they view themselves maybe like like people are going to think I'm not as good or not, you know, up to the challenge or whatever. And I think you know, as you get older, you're just kind of like, ah, eh, whatever it's not about what other people think yeah. right like you're not out there to, yeah. to prove anything to anybody else that's, that's you're kind of past that stage in life i could i could and i could see how that'd be annoying for like younger people like yeah i did it but you know i only lasted like three days and now i feel like a failure i didn't finish the race and like you know you could see people like oh you, you gave a really good try you know you made like day three or four that's really good and they have zero clue like what you probably really went right. through you know what i mean like three or four days on that race is like yeah that's right. awesome. Like to me, that's like that's it's like huge. a lifetime of or like a year's worth of endurance stuff for sure. Yeah, true. That true. That that is true. That being said, there actually was another person who um, did the race who's also featured in the show. I'm not going to name any names, but we were. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy who went to college with him, so I kind of had a connection there, and I was going to interview him. And uh, as I'm watching the show, like late in the race, he had an issue which caused him to quit. And I had these like horrible flashbacks of like all my teammates that quit for mm. what I thought were very poor reasons. And you could just see the disappointment in his teammates. And I'm like, I can't do it. I couldn't, I just yeah. couldn't um, interview him. But anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, getting back to that quote though, I think that- That would be tough, yeah. Yeah, like I think that, you know, even with our most recent kind of debacle in Canyonlands, for me, it just boiled down to like, did the kids have a good time? And so whatever happened, you know, with, with the decision-making that didn't go so well, end result, kids had a good time, so success. Like, like I'm not going right. to worry about the details. I'm just going to try to learn from them. And um, right, as right, we were hiking right. back, we, we crossed this, like, couple who saw right. we had, like, this parade of kids, and they were like, oh, you guys are almost back to the car. Are you guys excited to be back? 
and like all the kids in unison were like no like they were having such a good time out there and i was <laughs> that's like huge. yeah that's i was huge. like oh man that's so great so um yeah. for me like that moment by itself was worth it but that's um, cool yeah that's cool Anyway, so those are my takeaways. Do you have anything else from the interview? Uh, no, I just thought it was cool, you know, that you guys were mentioning, you know, how Bear Grylls is part of that whole thing, obviously, and he would go around and, like, encourage everybody on the team. That would be pretty sweet if Bear Grylls just popped up on the trail with us. I'm like, come on, guys, you can do it. You know, keep going. Like, if you had that, like, in your ear, that would be pretty I know. sweet. And, and she was saying, like, you know, it showed him doing that with teams, but a lot of times he was doing that off camera, so he was, like, the constant encourager yeah. and – that's really yeah yeah he's, yeah he's yeah what, what would you say to him if he came up and he's like he's like Derek you're doing such a good job how'd you how would that, you is that that's your accent for bear girls sounded like him I know you, yeah you didn't yeah. even you didn't even practice that <laughs> um I I don't know what I'd say I, I yeah. think it, well if I'm in the middle of the race I would just I would probably just listen try to soak in everything he's saying and really yeah he's he just seems like a genuine guy you know like I'm sure he wanted right. everybody to do well. Um, I love the whole, like, t- the question you asked about the whole TV flyby thing with the, you know, mm. thing getting caught on the corner and all, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the Hollywood ex- aspect of it. But yeah. it all, the whole takeaway from that was like, you know, then I thought to myself, do you or I need to bring like a conch shell and blow it before mm. every backpacking trip, you know? Dude, it'd be cool to have a, st- oh, yeah. I'm going to put that on you. If you, if we could come with, up with some sort of like a sound or, or like marker that, it begins dude that'd be awesome Are you yeah serious? that's I mean, a really gonna, good idea i think i'm gonna go look for a conch shell or something like okay. but then i gotta figure out how to blow it right so i gotta is that a is like that a, a challenge technique or something i've never tried um, to blow a conch shell i don't know okay so so you didn't really ask me what i what, what i would talk to bear girls about but i think i think that uh, ob- i didn't really care i didn't really care so no <laughs> i mean it'd be it's kind of obvious but i you know we're out and we're exhausted we're in the middle of nowhere in fiji and bear girls rolls up yeah. and kind of you know lands his helicopter i'd say Bear, when you go on your survival trips, when you go backpacking, when you go adventuring, do you bring pajama bottoms? That's what I ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd just try to be like, can I have one of your power bars? And, uh, do you eat you cricket bars? No. <laughs> you, he probably eats crickets. What are you about? That's true. He's like, bars? It. I don't eat them ground up. You know, it was cool, though, too. There was that aspect, and then I saw some clips of, like, you know, some teens were, like, biking or running through a section, and you'd see, like, the local kids, like, run up and give the team, like, you know, coconuts to drink mm. as they're going and stuff. I'm like, that's so rad mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they can kind of be ingratiated with some of those things. Oh, yeah. To really, and that's going to be such a mental boost for those teams. For like, sure. Oh. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Oh, this coconut, you know. Right. So that was good. It was really exciting. It was. It was. I was. I actually got the email, you know, whatever it was, however, two years ago, whatever, whenever they sent the email, like, hey, do you want to, you know, put a team together and join in the Eco Challenge? And um, and I was like, yes, I so want to do this, but but the training is yeah. so long away from your family. I, I couldn't do that, right. like, and be a good dad. And then, and really the toughest part is finding good teammates who are willing to devote that time. And that's, it's like, I don't have anybody. Like, I don't know who would do that. So what, what day, if we did that race, mm-hmm. how far, how many days would we go in? How many, how many days do you think we'd make? I mean, I can just tell you that trip. my old adventure racing teammate was Knowlton and, um, we did a ton of races, yeah. multi-day races, whatever. And Knowlton and I never quit. We were always going. So we would either finish yeah. the race, like do well in the race, finish the race, or one of our teammates would quit. And so that, that was the scenario. And so it was always frustrating because yeah. we never quit. And uh, yeah, so, I, so I, would, I would go to the yeah. end, my friend, or get pulled off the course, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's something I, I, I would really uh, anticipate with excitement is like that mental challenge. I, I hate quitting. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I think the thing that I would worry about is like, would our bodies just hold up? You know, like, would your body make it? Um, if you were, if you were out there, I would not worry about your mentality. I wouldn't worry about your behavior as a teammate. I would worry about your ability to simply train for any of the events, not even all the events, just, just one event. Train for one of them, Derek. <laughs> train, you know, strengthen your ankles, Derek. Strengthen your ankles. Come on. I think I really only really worry about you during, and this is maybe a compliment because there's not much to worry about, the swimming. Like, are you a good swimmer? Can you do swimming? You know, honestly, like most of the races um, didn't what? require swimming. But there was one race where we were just outside of Yosemite and we were in this, I forget the name of the lake, we were in the lake and we had we had to swim for like three miles Ooh. with our gear, Ooh. but we could bring flippers. That's so far. Yeah, we could bring flippers and we and we had and we had like, you know, it was cold water, so we had the wetsuits and stuff. But I like I didn't I hadn't I had zero training for that. And so I think we yeah. were like a mile in, and that's when our female teammate pulled the plug. She's like, I think I'm gonna get cold eventually. Like I'm not cold right now. I think eventually I'm gonna get cold. So what? we're done. And we had already raced for whatever twelve hours. And I. Yeah. So wait, 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 wait. You're in the middle yeah. of the water a mile in. Yeah, it was. I mean, and we're she's like, like I'm quitting. Yeah, when I say a mile, it's not like like we're we're semi close to the shore, but we'd swum a mile ish. Okay. 
Maybe, maybe less than that. I don't know. I'm probably exaggerating. So she just swam back. So we had to swim over to the shore and, and then to communicate like, hey, we we as a team quit, even though like uh, that's the frustrating part. Like, Yeah, that would be a bummer. So, well, I'm glad you can swim. That's, um, you know, I know you're more of a mountain boy. So. Right. Man, not boy. Uh, not boy. I think that's it. You got anything else you want so, to say? So we just appreciate you coming on with us. I know that uh, your time is valuable and you are like a famous tv slash amazon prime star now and highly sought after for time and so so thank you so much we really appreciate yeah. it and i just want to apologize yeah. for derek not showing up and not valuing the interview as much as i did <laughs> <laughs> i cried and wept sonia i cried and wept okay. day by day uh, no that was really cool it was really uh, inspiring to hear all of your uh just your takeaways and your input yeah. you know from somebody who's been there and done that so thank you for just carving some time out yeah, for us thank you and, and Derek, even though you weren't part of the interview, you you have trivia for today, yeah? So, yeah, we're going to do some trivia, but it's not going to be your traditional three-question, four-question trivia. So we're going to okay. find out about that right after this. So today, buddy, we have... The 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory. The 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory have a little would you rather would you rather eco challenge so i got three mm. scenarios first scenario uh would you rather during the this is like during an eco challenge race by the way would you rather spend two to three hours with a major stomach ache like uh, you have to you realize like halfway in you have to do like the biggest poop you're out of food mm. for the day and you, you have to do this all on horseback would you want to do that you have to go to the bathroom while on horseback. Is that your question? Yeah, may, yeah I don't. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. This is an eco challenge, like buddy. Anything happens. You can't get off the horse to go to the bathroom. You got to stay on the horse. Is what you're Maybe you're you got to make the checkpoint by a certain time, and okay. you got to like get going here. But wow. your teammates are like, "Let's wow. go, let's go. We're in a groove. Come on!" Okay. And you're like, "Wow, I really got to go. It hurts." I would like to choose the second option, having not heard it yet. <laughs> <laughs> or it was swim a half a mile in like freezing water, fully rested. So I Dude, guess half a mile, man. They went how many? Okay, miles maybe maybe let's say like two miles. Yeah, two they miles. they did like uh, let's make it two miles. Yeah, three or four miles, but. Second second option for sure. Anything where like stomach ache, but, I, but you hate the cold though. You hate yeah, the cold. Yeah, yeah. But stomach ache, queasiness, like that's gonna shut me down faster Quicker. than anything. I think. Yeah, even okay. probably faster than like hypothermia. So. No. Correct answer was swimming two okay. miles. Uh, so you got that wrong. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Okay. Next one is: uh, Would you rather bike two thousand miles of elevation through thick Shinhai mud, like we talked about, with a half a bottle of water? Like, like we talked you, about it. We talked about well, that, I mentioned yeah. I mentioned there was uh, there was some thick mud action going on. Did, okay. it, did we before record? the yeah, podcast? Now we're recording. Okay, never mind. Let me redo that again. <laughs> Let me redo that again. 
<laughs> I thought you recorded that. I thought you. Were I don't think so. Okay, first, a uh, second scenario would be: Would you rather bike up two thousand feet of elevation through thick shin-high mud, probably destroying your bicycle, uh, with just a half a bottle of water and a half a power bar, or same half a bottle and power bar? Would you rather open canoe uh, over like? Mm, like six to seven miles in the canoe and you're in there for all day which one would you rather do <laughs> knowing that you're going to be repetitiously paddling for that long what would you rather do i just love that six to seven miles is going to take you all day that's good or six stuff. to seven miles not six to seven hours <laughs> although for you it might take that you long. said all you said all that okay <laughs> what did i uh, say six to seven miles like in a multi-day race is not that long so that's no it's not one. that's that's way easier and yeah, going going through the mud, um, especially going uphill, slipping. I mean, you could like slip and like slide right back down the mountain with your bike. I know, dude. That would be the worst. Oh yeah, would, yeah. That would be, I'd easily choose. Now on the camp. flip side, when you got to the top and then you had to go down the other side and you kind of slid down, that'd be kind of fun. That's true. If yeah. All right, last scenario. You got that one right. Good job. Uh, is would you rather rock climb three to four mm. hours? And you realize maybe an hour in, the sole of your shoe just totally rips out. So you're going to have an issue climbing the rest mm-hmm. of the time. And you're also extremely fatigued. So factor mm-hmm. that in. Or would you rather paddle uh, in the water with 20 blisters all over your hands, no water, and have to do a major poop again? And you can't get so out. So you're paddling in the water without water. Well, I mean, you're in maybe you're in the open ocean, this, this, okay. this section. Gotcha. And you can't drink it. Uh, definitely the rock climbing. Yeah, that's that's rough with the blisters. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. You'd rather do rock climbing with uh, an open like your shoe rips and you got to climb up like two more hours. You're cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool with that. And you're fatigued, huh? I think fatigue for yeah. me. I don't know. That would be that would be a tough one for me. It's tough. The, both are th- those are probably the two two harder scenario, two hardest scenarios you presented, but. I have seen people like lose, like, and actually lost a shoe in a race one time in Utah, where we transitioned <laughs> from a running section to a mountain bike section. Yeah. So you had to strap your shoes on to your oh, bike. Oh right! And I didn't strap them on tight enough, and one of my shoes went flying off, and nobody said anything. Yeah. Or I was, I don't know if I was behind everybody. Probably not in the bike session. That that would have been weird. But right. anyway, um, and so so that happened. Then I saw somebody in one of the other eco challenges. They lost a shoe, and they had they basically took the insole out of their the shoe they still had and then they duct taped it like around their foot to kind of make Ooh, a shoe that's so genius i like i'd that. probably do something like that okay yeah. all right I'll, yeah. I'll give you a point for that that was good okay nice job, buddy. yeah um thank you that was a solid one i like that that's good time hope you guys okay. enjoyed that that was good any you got any tidbits for us before we go I do have some tidbits. I got got a few. So um, first of all, like we don't, yeah, we don't get a ton of Patreon supporters, and we got a few hmm. recently. I don't know if I ever mentioned. I think I did a couple months ago. We had Brian. It's been a few months yeah. since uh, since Brian joined. So we got uh, Patreon supporter Cassie. She's the one with the outdoor group from um, Central Illinois. We got Mike. Mm. and we got greg mm-hmm. and just appreciate you guys just thank you so much yeah. like, so we don't get a ton of patreon supporters we we try to make it worth it with early video releases and bonus episodes and all sorts of other stuff indeed i mean the trip invite by itself i feel like it's a pretty big deal um you gotta hang out yeah, with carl just, you know and potentially mm, me, but, that's not the draw let's be honest but they mainly, want mainly they want carl. handsome derek time so handsome derek time that just yes. is uncomfortable 
So right, intentionally. Yeah. So, um, so that's one tidbit. Another tidbit is, um, you know, we got listener Camel Cud from Texas, yes. and in the last like year, he sent us like some of the most random stuff. It's been pretty fun. He sent me like after I was complaining about the you know the the water reservoir leaky thing again. He's he's like I got the bomb proof one, and so he sent me mm. a brand new version of that. So I've been testing it out, and nice. it, it's 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 big time. So I'll actually I'll bring it for you on our next trip. That way you can you can try it out as well. So thank you to Camel yeah. Cud, and so he called it a Christmas gift. So I actually returned the favor and sent him a Christmas gift back. I sent, I sent him something that's that's become legendary on this podcast. Legendary? Any guesses? A buff? Did you send him a buff? Better. Better than a buff. Really? <laughs> yeah. Better than doesn't, a buff? doesn't take a lot to get better than that. What? I sent him the uh, legendary mug with the carabiner. Oh, the carabiner yeah. paint mug. You just gave away my gift? Yeah, you? we talked about that. Oh. You said it was okay. No, yeah. I know. It's cool. And, and by the way, I want to... I wanna, fix what i said because i think i accused the mug of having it like the carry being super glued on i actually looked at it again it was screwed on so slightly yeah. more yeah. professional that's right okay that's right okay. Recognize. I, got, I got two more we got uh derek okay. m so not you another derek made a comment on facebook great name great yeah name. great name he was remember the you know he's referencing you bringing up your um backpack like buying the backpack at rei story and he said, this podcast is built on Derek's backpack story. Remember that. Remember that. Okay. So he supports you. He supports you. I mean, you yeah. know, you can save some weight, guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one is we've got kind of a fun story. Like, I don't know how long ago, but there was this uh, 12-year-old girl who lives in Buffalo, New York, who started listening to her podcast because she's really into hiking. And then she nice. got her dad into the podcast. His name's Andrew, and he actually joined up our, our B&B Bible study. And he's mm. just a great guy. And um, nice. Yeah, and so I found out that he actually works for an organization called Let Them LOL. Like, let them laugh out loud. Let them okay. LOL. And uh, he, you know, drills in West Africa, Sierra Leone. Uh, he drills water and provides water for communities there, provides education. It's kind of like a, a microcosm version of like Compassion International with, you know, providing resources and stuff. And so right, right, right. I would encourage you guys to check it out. Let them LOL. I know that charities are hurting with COVID and stuff. And if that speaks to you, wanting to support people to get in fresh water in Africa, like that definitely speaks to me. So he did not ask yeah. me to, to share this in the podcast. I just was very interested and I just was looking it up today. So I like it. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, super so he's, cool. He's basically a saint is what you're saying. He's a good dude. He's also yeah. the guy, though, that said that, you know, I spent all this time making the podcast and providing good content, and then you just poop all over it. So mm. same same guy. So he's also wise. Mm. It's a fine line. <laughs> it's a fine line there, Andrew. It's a fine line. Uh, that's all I got, my friend. That's all I got. That sounds good. Guys, thanks again. And we will see you next time on the B&B. Remember, guys, if Carl whips out the duct tape, it's going to be a long day. Uh, we'll see you next time. So, yeah, I mean, I know the Eco Challenge has 
you know, like mountain biking, canoeing, all these like crazy challenges and blah, 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 blah. You're going to get tired mentally. You're going to get fatigued. Big deal. None of that stuff is even a challenge compared to if you have a teammate with really bad BO. And Carl's BO, let me just tell you, will melt your nose hairs. So choose wisely, my friends. Choose wisely. The 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory. The 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory.